the table. The old man fed the dogs from his dinner plate, holding it while they licked it. Perhaps it was the very plate that he himself, the Kaiser, might have eaten from next time. That was a metaphor. Bismarck really cared more for his dog than for his Kaiser. The Kaiser lowered his axe to the ground and, using the shaft as a prop, carefully lifted one foot. With the hard toe of his boot, he nudged the knotted log off the chopping block, a massive section of beech trunk. Then he let go of the axe and stooped to pick up another log. It was hard with one hand because the log was too wide to grip and he had to roll it up the side of the beech trunk. When he was younger, he might have exercised his left arm by trying to ease the log into a central position on the block. But he didn't bother much with that arm now a withered, blighted thing, from birth three inches shorter than its mate. He could hold with it, but not lift or push much. God and he alone knew the youthful effort it cost him to learn to ride and to shoot, to learn above all not to be handicapped by this handicap. God had given it to him to make him tough, he had long ago decided. Years of solitary practice, holding oars out straight, had made his good right arm stronger than most men's two arms, with a grip that had been compared to that of John Sullivan, the boxing champion. But even John Sullivan was then. Who spoke of him now? The axe split the new log clean, with a crack that echoed through the trees around the woodshed. Most men could not swing an axe with two arms, as he still swung with one. There were plenty of trees ready for felling, more than he had days. Your Highness, your Royal Highness! The Kaiser leant on his axe, turning slowly. The new Dutch maid was running through the rough grass bordering the park and the trees, clutching her white apron in one hand and waving with the other. When she called again, he realized he had heard her before swinging at that last log, but had not registered it. That happened nowadays. He waited. He had heard and uttered many urgent summonses in life, but now, robbed of their temporary urgency, it was clear that the things that would happen, happened, whether or not you buzzed about like a demented bluebottle. These days he felt there was nothing left to be urgent about. What would come would come soon enough, in its own time, and until then one chopped wood and shrugged one's shoulders at the world. He would not be hurried. Highness. She almost stumbled in the last few yards. She was called Aki, his wife had told him. Breathlessness made her prettier than ever. A wisp of dark hair had come adrift from her bun, and her smooth cheeks were colored. Such beautiful skin, almost olive. He always wanted to touch it. Her gray eyes were quiet and thoughtful, cold as a March wind. Yet it was her hands above all that he looked for. Slender, white, quick, full of energy but composed and controlled. With him it had always been the hands. First his mother's, then those of her friends, and then, well, as many as he could get in his youth. Beloved Donna, his first wife, she had good hands. But she knew what hands meant to him, and throughout their marriage had ensured that all female servants had hands either like chicken claws or overgrown potatoes. She would never have permitted Aki to join the household. But Hermo, his new wife, 
did not know about this thing of his. Highness, the girl stood panting before him, her gray eyes widened, one hand still clutching her apron. Highness, they have come, the Germans, they are here. Princess Hermine begs you to receive them. They are at the gate lodge. The Kaiser nodded, so the German army was reunited with its Kaiser. The sky was not rent asunder, no fiery angels appeared, the voice of God remained silent. No longer the Kaiser's army, of course, but that fellow Hitler's, a corporal's army now. They would more likely view him as their prisoner than their king, unless, but it was useless to speculate, it had come to something when it was hard to take any interest in one's future. He was more interested in this girl's accent. She came from Friesland, Ermo had said, so Frisch was presumably her first language.